Good morning, Mountain Park. Good morning, those of you watching online. My name is Jan, one of the pastors here. Glad you are joining us. It is great to be in a place where we can freely worship, uh, where we can worship God and honor him in freedom. And there are many people all over the world who don't have that same freedom. Um, and so we're grateful that, that, that we can uh, think about that and, and, and have that freedom here and, and be indivisible. And, and, and that indivisibility doesn't mean we don't have uh, disagreements. There's plenty of disagreements in America, <laughs> plenty of conflict. It just means that we choose to be together in the midst of those conflicts. And as we appreciate the freedoms we have here in our country, we also recognize that there's problems in our countries. There's things, there's historically things that, are, that have been done in the name of our country that have been wrong, and there have been continued issues that we have to work through and grow in as a country. But we are grateful that we are a country that can work on those things together, and that can grow in our faith together, and can grow as a country together, and grow in our love for one another together. And, uh, and so I, I encourage you guys to celebrate today, and, and I also encourage you guys to join us in praying so that we as a church can be united as well. We've been doing, this was mentioned earlier, 33 days of prayer. I've been doing this with my family. We've had some great discussions. If you haven't gotten one of these guides, they're available in the lobby afterwards. We can also email them to you if you're online. Just uh, let us know. We'd love to email you one of these. A great way to just stand together as a church in this time, praying through Scripture and God's will to be done in our church. Well, we are in a series called Generations, where we are acknowledging and recognizing and celebrating that we are a multi-generational church. You don't need me to tell you that. You can look around and see it, right? There are people in this church right now next to you who are part of different generations, who are in different life stages. And we value that. We love that. We are grateful to be a place where there, there is a, a people from different life stages. And this is, this is sometimes uh, challenging because sometimes different generations have different preferences, Right? And, and, and sometimes they have different expectations of what church should be and what should go on in there. We have different values on, and different ideas about how to use things like technology or social media or phones or our, our devices and screen time. And there's, sometimes there's generational differences in what kinds of music we should sing and how loud the music should be. Right? And there's different, different generational opinions on what topics should even be addressed. That if we were to sit down with people from different generations and say, what should we be addressing during the course of a year in our, in our messages on Sunday morning, you'd get different ideas. There'd be some similarities, but there'd also be some differences based on the life stage and the, the, the priorities. And that's another thing. Like Different life stages have different priorities, right? If, if you have kids, you want a church that has what? A great kids ministry, Right? If you have students, you want to have a church that has a great student ministry where your teenagers can come and build community and grow in their faith. If you're single, you, you may be, hey, I want a church that has a great singles ministry. And, and not only that, but oftentimes, based on our generational preferences, we look for certain things even in sermon illustrations. I've had conversations with people, people in all different places who, who will say to me, Jan, I really struggle with, uh, with the messages, some of the messages my pastor does on Sunday and I say, why? And they say, because their illustrations just don't apply to me. And so my pastor, he always talks about his wife and his kids. And I don't have a wife and I don't have kids, so I struggle to connect with his illustrations. I wish my pastor would use illustrations that more distinctly applied to me. 
And so it's hard as a church to try and balance and try and invest in all of the different generations when they all have different ideas and different expectations of the church. And sometimes we get it wrong, but we try and we try and we try. And even though it's hard, we try because it is worth it. There is something beautiful and amazing about seeing God at work in multiple generations. There's something amazing about coming to baptisms and seeing kids and students and, 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 and singles and young marrieds and, and, and seniors and grandparents all getting baptized and hearing God at work and hearing all those voices sing together and then seeing those generations mix and minister to each other. Something amazing. And that's the way the church has always been. And you look back in Scripture, you see the church has always been multi-generational. You can see in, in Scripture there's these instructions in, in some of the later books of the New Testament to different generations on how to interact with each other. And then you look at the life of Jesus, and did Jesus just minister to one generation? Did Jesus just say, only you get miracles? Now you see little kids coming to Jesus and him putting them in his lap and hugging them and blessing them. You see married people coming to Jesus. You see single people. You see seniors like, like Nicodemus, who is much older than Jesus, most likely, coming to Jesus, coming to this young rabbi and saying, you teach me that Jesus ministered to all generations, and particularly to young adults. And that's what we're going to focus today. Is this, this, we've been looking at different generations. We started with kids. We looked at students today. We're looking at young adults because Jesus had a special interest in young adults. He loved young adults. Now, I know Jesus loves everyone, right? So Jesus loves everyone. We all know that. But he had a special interest in young adults because did you know that his disciples, those first 12 disciples, those, those, those disciples who came around Jesus, that they were most likely young adults, we learn in, in Luke that Jesus was about 30 years old when he started his ministry. And we know it was common for disciples who were younger to come to the rabbi to teach them. And we know that by the language and the, the way the scripture talks about them, that they were considered to be that young adult stage, which back then was ages 13 to 30, which is a little frightening for those of us with 13 years old, Right? But, but it was the similar stage. It was for them, that was the stage when young adults, they were, these people were, uh, young men and women were establishing their independence, coming into their own adulthood, taking on more responsibilities, thinking about and getting married, thinking about and having kids, thinking about and establishing their own profession and their own job. This was that stage of life. And those are the people that Jesus said, come and be with me. Come and walk with me. I'm gonna invest in you. And so how do we, as a church, carry on that baton? How do we follow Jesus' example and be a place where young adults can thrive in their role in God's story? They can embrace it and realize it and fully walk in it. Now, let me pause and take a second to say that this is actually really personal for me. Because as some of you know, I came to faith when I was 22 years old. After years of being an atheist, that's when I came to Christ. And, and it was amazing to me when I walked into a church for the first time and saw people of different generations actually intermingling. It just really wasn't something I saw as much in my life. I, when I was high school, I hung out with high schoolers. When I was in college, I hung out with college people. And I assumed all the old people hang out with old people. And that's just how it goes. And I walked into a church and I saw multi-generations ministering together and coming together and, and greeting me and knowing me by name. And, 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 and there was this guy 
named Bill, who, who I met at Hillcrest Chapel, which was the first church I attended. And, and, and I started going, and he began to greet me by name. And then he began to ask me how my week was. And then he began to ask me how college was going. And then he started praying for me and praying over me and getting to know me and investing me and inviting me to dinner with his family. This man who had a full-time job and three kids and was in his mid-40s and had nothing in common with a college student who'd spent much of his life living however I wanted. But he gave time to me. And he invited me to do ministry with him. Even though I'd only been a believer for a couple of months, he's inviting me to come alongside him and participate and do ministry with him. And I got to see something that I had never, ever, ever seen in my life up to that point, which is a godly man. I had never seen that example. Someone who was being a godly husband and a, and a, and a godly father to his kids. It was the first time I got to see what that looked like. And so then when I got to a crossroads in my life and I had a decision to make about my future and didn't know how to process that decision in light of my faith and was really struggling with it, who did I call? I called Bill. And he prayed with me. He helped me walk through, told me how to make a godly decision. And so I got to experience the great blessing of a church that was multi-generational, that embraced young adults and said they're an important part of our church. And you're going to hear me tell a couple more stories about that as we go along. But this is deeply personal for me as well. Would you pray with me? We're going to pray before we jump in. God, thanks for this time. Thanks for this place. Thanks that we can gather with the people together. And we remember, God, that we are the church. The church is it's not a building. It's not an activity. It is these people gathered at this time coming to say, Jesus... You are our Lord. Would you speak to us and lead us and guide us? It's in your name we pray. Amen. So what do we need to do if we want to be a church where young adults can, can realize their role in God's story and, 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 and truly become who they are in Christ? The first thing we need to do is we need to see them. Not just see them physically, but truly see who they are and recognize, just like Jesus did, that they have an important part to play in our church and in God's mission through our church. And that means recognizing their diversity. When you look at Jesus' first disciples, yeah, a lot of them were young adults, but you had tax collectors and fishermen. How did they get along? And then you had this guy who was so politically active, they call him Simon the Zealot. This is the guy who had his yard full of political campaign signs, right? And, 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 and they were, there were some who were, who were single. There were some who were married. They were all in diversity. Jesus brought them all in together, even with their diversity. And we here in our church, we have young adults who, who have diversity. We have young adults who are in college for the first time. Young adults who are in college again. We have young adults who are launching their careers for the first time, trying to find a job. We have young adults who've just gotten married. Young adults who are still single. Young adults who live at home. Young adults who don't live at home. And, you know, young adulthood, it's like this one big transition, right? Transition after transition after transition. And a lot of those transitions are detours, right? How many of you, when you look at your young adulthood, would say everything happened just the way you planned it? You got married exactly when you thought you'd get married. You got the job you thought you would get when you got out of college. 
Now, young adulthood is full of these detours and these transitions. And those transitions, they create anxiety and stresses in, in their lives and stresses about the future and all kinds of things. And so we need to see those things and recognize the unique pressures and challenges of young adulthood. And Jesus did. Jesus saw those things and he addressed those things. There's a famous part of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and in this, and it's recorded in a couple different places. We're looking in Matthew and, and Jesus, it says Jesus gathered his disciples to him. And remember, his disciples, at least 12 of his closest disciples were young adults. So these young adults, they, they come to him and, and he begins to teach them. And here's what he says in Matthew 6. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in bards, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? You see how the flowers in the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own. Why do you think Jesus chose those particular worries? Why do you think he said, why are you worried about drink and clothes and food and about tomorrow? Because that's what they were actually worried about. That this wasn't some sort of general idea. He was looking at these, these young adults and his disciples and saying, I know what you're worried about. You actually are worried about what you're going to wear. So I'm going to address that. You actually are worried about food, so I'm going to address. That's why it says, why are you worried about? He's addressing the worries that were actually on their hearts. So if we're here today and we say, hey, we don't have those worries. For many of us, we don't have those worries. We go to our closet, we have plenty to wear. Our problem is not worrying about what, whether or not we have anything to wear. It's worrying about what we are going to wear. And we, we, with food, for, for many of us, you know, it may be full of top ramen, but our pantry is full of food. That doesn't mean we dismiss these verses or we gloss them and say, oh, well, I don't worry about those things. No, what we should be saying is what are our worries? So if you're here and you're a young adult, you're online and you're a young adult, let me just ask you, what are your top worries right now? What are the things that are eating away at you, the things that you're trying to, to manage and deal with that seem to sort of press in on your mind and on your heart, that you're trying to figure out? What would you put in there? What, if Jesus were to say, don't worry about blank, and he were to look at you and see into your heart and know your worries, what would it be that he identifies? And I just want you to hear these words in that context. 
Imagine Jesus coming to you and saying, why are you worrying about that? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We want to be a place where, where, where young adults can come and seek first the kingdom of God and be released into all that he has for them. And that means that just like Jesus did with his disciples, we have to invest in them. Not only we need to see them, but we need to invest in them. Jesus invested three years of his life in these young adults. Three years. He taught them. He trained them. He shared wisdom with them. He encouraged them. He gave them instructions and guidance. For three years, and he did it so well. I mean, Jesus' teaching was such a wonderful balance of deep theological truths and practical application, which is what we just saw, right? We say, your heavenly Father knows what you need. That's theology. There's a God who loves you and who knows exactly what you need, and you can trust in him. So therefore, practical application, do not worry Jesus did this over and over again, doing this beautiful blend of deep theological truths and practical applications. So we want to do that here in our church as well. That's why we have things like Marriage Mondays, where where you can come, and and young adults, it's a great time if you're married, to come on Marriage Mondays and learn how to have a godly marriage and, and get deep theological truths and practical application on how to love your spouse well. And if you're considering marriage, we have premarital on Mondays where you can come and discover what that looks like. What does is, what is God intend for marriage to be? And are you ready for that? How do you get ready for that? This is why we have Finance Wednesdays, where if you're not sure, maybe you never learned how to manage a budget or how to spend your money or how to invest your finances and how to take care of them, how to deal with debt, you can come on Wednesday night and you'll get deep theological truths and you'll get practical application. This is also why we have hope groups that meet on Tuesday nights. A great place to come and be discipled and learn how to, how to navigate some of the broken, most broken parts of our world and of ourselves. About six months after I became a follower of Jesus, a friend of mine invited me to, to, to a group that was a lot like our hope groups. We have men's and women's hope groups. It was a lot like them. And, and they were telling me about it and they invited me. And I was like, why, why do I need to go to that? Like, I don't, I, I mean, I, I've got my... In, I've got my imperfections, but I don't got any huge major issues I have to overcome. But I decided to go. And I discovered that what, what it was really about was basic discipleship. What it was really about was learning how to become who God intended me to be after walking as someone else entirely for the first part of my life. In Ephesians 5, 8 through 13, it says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated then becomes a light. 
And that's what I discovered as I was attending, that, that it was a place where I got to learn how to live as a child of light. I got to figure out what pleases the Lord, and, and, and I got to expose some of the dark places of my own heart in a safe way that I'd never gotten before, things that maybe had begun to take root when I was a kid. And then I got to, I didn't even know they were there, but then it was an environment where it was safe, and I got to walk through those things. And I think it prevented me and freed me from things that would have sabotaged me later. So young adults, don't wait until later. Don't wait until you have a major issue in your life, a major crisis, a major trauma, a major addiction. Don't be afraid to jump into a group like Men's Hope or Women's Hope now and bring some of that stuff up and learn how to walk in the light. So we have these resources, but Jesus didn't just teach his disciples. He built community with them. He lived alongside them. He laughed with them. He ate food with them. He prayed with them. He challenged them. And I got to believe that there were times when Jesus was teaching, they all looked at each other, scratching their head, going, what did he mean by that? And they wrestled through it together, and they learned how to walk in community together with Jesus. And then, after Jesus had, had died and come back to life and gone to heaven, he left the leadership of the church in their hands in the hands of this community. And, they, and when you read uh, in Acts and, and some of the other books and the, the Gospels and you see how they treated each other and you see there are times where they had conflict, times where they called each other out, times where they celebrated and loved one another. And so we, we wanna do that. We wanna provide a place, young adults, where you can have people in the same life stage as you who help you walk through life. Yes, we value multiple generations, mixed generations interacting with each other, but we also know there is a value on walking with people who are in the same life stage. When I was, uh, again, a new believer and I was attending a ministry, a college ministry, and uh, I'd been there just a couple weeks and somebody got up and, during the service and said, all right, uh, everybody needs to join a care group. Now, I had no idea what a care group was, but I, they said everybody needs to join one, and since I was a new Christian, I figured that includes me, so I'm gonna jump in. So I jump into this care group, which was this group of guys in college, all together, all in the same life stage, and I come, and I figure I'm probably gonna need a Bible, so I find a Bible somewhere, and I come, and I sit down, and they sit down, and they say, okay, now let's all open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians. And I said, first co-what? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. And they showed me where in the Bible 1 Corinthians is and what it was. And they had to walk me through it. And I learned to study the Bible in a community of people and applying it to our specific life stage, which was great for me. And then at the end of that first meeting, they said, all right, now not only are we going to meet once a week, but you also need to pick an accountability partner to talk to. And I said again, What? Is this someone who helps me with my finances? Because that would be great. <laughs> and they said, no, this is someone who you come and you talk to and you talk about your struggles and you spur one another on, you challenge one another and make sure that you're seeking first the kingdom of God above all else. I said, well, that sounds great. I'll, I'll do that. And so I signed up and I, my friend who was in the group with me, my friend Hans and I agreed to be uh, accountability partners. And that means, yes, you had Jan and Hans together. <laughs> um, and so, so... We meet for the first time, and he says, how'd your week going? I'm going, fine. And then he said, so how are you doing with pornography and masturbation this week? And I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and he asked again, how are you doing with pornography and masturbation? And what I discovered 
is that when you have community, real community the way Jesus intends it, with people of the same life stage, you can talk about things you cannot talk about anywhere else. When you have safety in community and you're both committed to each other and to pursuing Jesus together, you can challenge each other. And you can talk about hard, difficult things. I would never talk about masturbation with my parents. Or even my Bill, who I talked about. But I could talk about it with someone who was going through similar things as I was. So it's important to find people you can walk through life with. That's why we have a young adult group that meets on Sunday nights, every night, every Sunday night here. So you can develop those relationships We encourage you to join them on Sunday nights and come and be a part of that community. So if we want to be a a multi-generational church where young adults can thrive, we have to see them and invest in them. We also have to actually rely on them because that's what Jesus did. In Luke 9, it says this. Jesus had called the 12 together, again, the 12 young adults, and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said, I trust you and I'm relying on you, young adults, to go represent me, even though I'm not there, I'm relying on you to represent me to villages and towns where I may never go. I'm relying on you and I'm giving you power I'm giving you the power to cast out demons and to heal people, and I'm trusting that you're not going to go out there and start your own ministry and make it all about you. He gave them power and authority, and he trusted them, and he relied on them to realize their role in God's story and invite other people to do the same. So young adults, we rely on you. You carry as much of the the, the responsibility and the calling of our mission as any other generation. So we need you. Our kids in kids ministry on Sunday morning need you. They need to see a young adult who's gonna come and have fun with them and play with them and show them that following Jesus is awesome. And our students need you. Students who need to know that they can go to college and continue to follow Jesus. That when they grow up, they can have an adult faith, someone who's made that transition. Our students need you. And our small group ministries need you leading Bible studies, need you sharing your wisdom. And our greeters, our greeter team, we need you out there so that when young adults come to our church for the first time, they can see that there's people like them who are here And our mission trips need you. You know, young adulthood is a great time to travel and see the world, isn't it? Why not travel to Honduras and and Rocky Point and make a difference in the life of some people while you do it? And I know for some young adults, some of you think, I would love to go on a mission trip. I would love to do that, but I just don't have the money. It just is a lot of money to, to be able to buy tickets and go and do all of those things. It's just really hard. If that's you, I just want to say, come talk to me. If you're a young adult and you want to go on a mission trip and you're worried about finances, come talk to me. I went on my first mission trip after I'd been a believer for three years. And they said, here's how this works. I said, I don't know how to do money. They said, that's easy. All you have to do is write a letter to your family and friends that are believers and they'll support you. And I said, I don't have any of those. 
So what do I do? And yet God provided in miraculous ways for me. And it was a fabulous, amazing experience for me to go and serve. And so young adults, if you want to go on a mission trip, come talk to me if finances are a problem and we'll figure something out. You need to be out there seeking first the kingdom of God. We need you. We rely on you. And your community needs you. Not only the people who, who you would go and serve on mission trips, but the people right here need you. We, our community needs to see young adults who are thriving in their relationship with Jesus, who are fully realizing their role in God's story. You know, when I, when I, when I, before I was a, a believer, when I was an atheist, my, my, my perspective of Christians was that they were self-righteous, arrogant bullies. And that's what I thought. And, and I know to, to you here who are all saying, church, like, that's ridiculous. I'm not that. But you have to know there are many people who have that perception of Christians. That was my perception. And so when I was a freshman and two guys came to my dorm room and started to share the gospel with me, I said, I don't want anything to do with you. You're not the type of people I want to relate with. And then my sophomore year, I met a young lady named Jennifer who I, served, who I worked with in a, in a fitness center. And, and we started talking about spring break. And I was thinking about all the things that I did on spring break, which is the things you expect normal college students to do on spring break. And I asked her what she had done. And she said, I went to South America and built an orphanage. I said, what? what? And she, she just, just said, yeah, I, I, I believe that Jesus loves me and I want to share that love with other people. And that was it. She didn't share the, the four spiritual laws with me or anything else. And then she asked me, what do you believe? And for the first time in my life, I had to say, oh my goodness, there might be more to this Jesus thing than I ever knew before. Just because she was living a life, her life, by seeking first the kingdom of God. So young adults, when you do that, when you seek first the kingdom of God, it will bear fruit in your life in ways you never expected. So we want to be that place where you can do that. And let me just say that we have young adults who are doing this. We have some awesome young adults. You guys may not know them, but we have Carson who is up here helping lead worship. And he, he serves... <laughs> He serves up there, and, 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 and he serves in our young adults. And we have a young lady named Erica who helps lead yoga classes. And <laughs> apparently we have some young adults in the house this morning. Yeah, Erica, who, who, who also serves in our student ministry. We've got Brandon and Melissa Whiteley who serve. Where's the cheers for them? Come on. Who serve in our, in our children's ministry, and, and we have a young lady named Erin, Erin Hammond, who goes to a, to a food pantry on Saturdays and serves there. We have some awesome young adults in our congregation, and if you don't know, I just want to end today with giving you some invitations. And so my first invitation is this. If you are not a young adult, raise your hand. Great. So you guys heard where all those cheerings were coming from, right? So here's my invitation to you. Go be a bill to someone. Just, just, just like my friend Bill, just go to a young adult and just introduce yourself. Pray for them. Interact with them. Get to know some of the awesome young adults we have in, in our church. Invite them over. Get to know them. Invest in them. Invite them to do ministry with you. You'd be surprised. They might just be waiting for your invitation. Young adults, my invitation to you is just jump in. Jump in. I mean, you know, I love that you guys are, are here, and, and, and I know maybe, maybe you still need to jump in in community on Sunday nights, and that's awesome. Jump in, build relationships on Sunday night, but also don't let church just be about Sunday night. 
Jump in and join the mission of the church by coming on Sundays and getting to know people of other generations. it's it's, It's not just them that can come say hi to you. You can say hi to them. And and come and join us on mission as we minister to kids and students. Come join us on Sunday mornings and be a part of what God is doing and and be not just someone who receives here at Mountain Park, but someone who gives and contributes to the life of our church. And then finally, my my last invitation is, um, I I, I just want to recognize, young adults, that you have wisdom. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is this guy named Elihu. How many of you know Elihu? Probably not many because he's not famous. He's in the book of Job. How many of you have read the whole book of Job? (laughs) A couple. Okay. That's why most of you don't know Elihu. So Elihu is this young guy. So in the book of Job, you have Job and you have all these, his older friends are all having this argument about all this stuff. And in the middle of this argument with all these old guys, there's this guy Elihu who comes up and says, I'm young and I've listened to all of you old people share your wisdom, but God has given me wisdom too. And here's what you need to know. And at the end of of the book of Job, do you know who is the only person that God does not criticize for what they said? Elihu. So young adults, you have wisdom. You have leadership. And I want to listen to that. So I'm going to put this table down here, and there's a little sign-up sheet here. You give me your name, your, your phone number, your email, and I will reach out to you this week, and I will set aside a time where I can meet with a couple of you or a small group of you or some of you and just hear from you and hear what is Mountain Park doing that is serving you well and what, is, what can Mountain Park do more to be a place where you can truly walk in your identity in Christ and realize your role in his story. So it will be down there it'll be for you to, to just fill out, and I'll, I'll follow up with you guys this week. Well, the band's going to come out and... Uh, and play one more song, and, and I want to pray for us. And of course, after they're done, we'll have our prayer team here that will be up, happy to pray with you and for you. Let's take some time to pray right now. Lord, we thank you for your word that is a guiding light to our hearts and to our minds. And Lord, that your word is not just meant to be um, a piece of advice that we hold up next to our own wisdom, but it should be the very center of our lives. And so whatever we heard from you today, Whatever it was you spoke to our hearts, whatever little nugget it was, would you give us the strength and the power this week to stand on that truth, to embrace that truth, to to live our lives underneath and on and inside of that truth. Let's be good stewards of your word and of what you've done today. We thank you again for the freedom we have to worship. Lord, and we thank you most of all for the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen.